3: Presented by AT and T. Connecting changes everything.
2: Uh, check it out now. Uh, no doubt now. Uh. Friday, June twenty
4: fourth, twenty twenty two. It is the Beating the Book podcast. Gil Alexander, thank you so much for joining us today for tennis's third major of the year. Obviously, the one on grass, tennis's uh, shortest surface season, the grass season, but always culminating at the championships at Wimbledon, the fortnight at Wimbledon. And what I love about doing these tennis pods so much, and we have committed to, in addition to our Megapod and Guessing Lines during football season, to doing all the tennis slams. Because this is, for me, again, the ultimate nirvana, because honestly, there are two people on Earth that I would like to talk about this subject with always, and they are kind enough to join us once again on this podcast. From England, you can follow him on Twitter at Tennis Ratings. He does great stuff for Betfair, the finest tennis handicapper to which I owe tons of inspiration for doing it myself. Dan Weston is with us, fresh off a magical cruise through the
1: Mediterranean. How you doing, Dano? Yeah, I'm good, Gil. Yeah, yeah, I really enjoyed the cruise now, I'm ready for it
4: Oh, I. I... By the way, should I can I say the name of the cruise ship? Should I should I give them a plug?
1: Feel free, feel free, to give them a plug.
4: What is it? What is it? I don't want to botch it. The Wonder.
1: What is it? The wonder of the Seas from the wonder, Royal Caribbean. <laughs> the Unbelievable. Wonder, Unbelievable.
4: wonder of the Seas, which will be in Cape Canaveral, Florida. You said in November for those who
1: are interested. Uh, so they do European season from from I think May until November and then American season, Caribbean season from, uh, from there on Woods for the next few months as well. I love it. A Caribbean season. I love that.
4: Sadly, it's in the middle of our uh, pro football season, so I'm out of luck, as, as this gentleman probably is out of luck. Uh, the other one here that I'd love to talk to about this subject, and others, by the way, which I probably start with, uh, you follow him on Twitter at Whale underscore Capper. Is co-host of both the Deep Dive and NBC Sports Bet the Edge podcast, which he does, respectively, with... With uh, his buddies, uh, with his buddy Andy Molitor, and then with Sarah Perlman, it is Drew Dinsick. How you doing, Drew? From his backyard Uh, in Long Beach.
2: Yeah, Yeah, no, no complaints here. No, Um, no feeling feeling great. No complaints Um, here. Funny as long you guys are talking about boats, I'm going boat shopping this afternoon. So you know it's uh not not really. But, uh, what a what a what a what a great uh, what a great draft. The NBA draft was unfreaking believable last night. Best uh, one of the best nights I've had as a as a sports better without question. And um, you know what do you do when you when you have a, a night like that? You, you get buy up a the boat. next morning. You know you get up the next morning. You start grinding tennis. Yeah. <laughs> That's uh, right back right back into the grind. So, uh, so let, me, let yeah. me explain to
4: people, since there's going to be a lot of people who are just too near for tennis. I know is probably like, wait, what is this? So last night we had our National Basketball Association draft, which typically, from a betting perspective, takes a huge backseat to our National Football League draft, which is a betting extravaganza for those of us who bet that kind of thing. And this year's draft, the reason that Drew is beyond belief happy today, and as he mentioned, Slightly hungover, <laughs> uh, is 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 that this year's draft, which you know up until about a week ago was very quiet as as typical. Then within the last five or six days, there's been a, there was a monumental move on the person that uh, ultimately did get drafted number one last night. But about a week ago, he was twenty to one. Four days ago, he was still double digits, twelve to one, and then there was this unbelievable. Dip in his price through the year. His name is uh, through the week. His name is Paolo Boncaro from Duke. He ends up being the number one pick of the NBA draft, goes to Orlando. And uh, I gave a passionate speech on Monday as to why I thought he would be the first pick of the draft. Drew made out like a bandit. Um, bet I'm going to guess more than I did on this, even, and I bet a lot. Uh, we also have a friend, Bill Krakenberger, who made out big time. But anyway, it becomes one of the greatest betting. Case studies and results in probably both of our betting lives. It's up there. It's on the It's it's one of those ones you'll remember for years to come, wouldn't you say, Drew?
2: Oh yeah, without question. It would be like if uh, if the market was looking at this Wimbledon field and priced Djokovic at twenty to one. Like yeah, it was a 50 50 chance, man. He should be you know he should have been right. Uh, he should have been a pick'em, and uh, you could have got it at, a, at a, just an absurd price for going on a week. And it just so happened to be the most liquid market in all the draft, too, which was just on, un- you know, do- I don't know that that's going to come along again. I hope okay. it does. <laughs> but, yeah. but, uh, but, that, yeah, that was, that was something, to be, to, something to see.
4: Guy at Caesars Sportsbook said the market for the number one pick in the NBA draft ended up at Caesars. I don't know about other books, but at Caesars, 10 times the handle for the NFL draft number one, which is mind-numbing. Right, just could you could never have predicted that.
2: I definitely wouldn't have yeah.
4: I'd have lost a lot <laughs> of money on that that was bed. an upset,
2: yeah. yeah, that was an upset.
4: anyway, Dan, I'm sure this was riveting to you, but otherwise, but yeah, a, a, <laughs>
2: uh, so now yeah. extra 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 liquidity in my accounts to to donk on tennis, so yes. I'm in good shape
4: and I have <laughs> I have an old miss this weekend at hundred to one in college baseball, oh Jesus, for an amount of wow. money that will make William Hill notice if I win Uh oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's just put it that way. So between the Warriors, Boncaro, and this, this could be the greatest betting stretch ever. And as you point out, and now there's Wimbledon, which is just yeah. like, oh, my God, and the tennis tournament hasn't even started. And so let's get to that. The draws are out, unlike the last time. Dano, you weren't, you weren't able to be here for the French draw. Drew and I yeah. were actually doing this podcast while the draw came out for the French. Oh, yeah, yeah. And if you recall, that was the, the draw where Tsitsipas basically got his own half. Yeah, And so we <laughs> yeah. were just, we were mind blown while this was coming out. This one, and let's start on, I want to start on the women's side because I think what I saw today on the men's draw made, triggered a bet for me on the men's side, but l- I want to start on Ooh. the women's side where, oh, you go oh, up, surprise, you're surprised, we'll see. Uh, women's side, my real quick reaction to the draw, and, and, and we'll get yours immediately, which is quarter one with Iga, Iga Sviatek, pretty favorable for Iga. I have a, again, a 9-1 to ticket from the night that Ash Barty retired. I was looking for any stray Ega French Open numbers. I didn't find any of those, but I did find a 9-1 at Wimbledon. She's never won on grass before. Her quarter looks pretty good to me. Um, quarter 4 going all the way to the bottom. I think Maria Sakkari should be telling herself, or her camp should be telling her, look, we should be able to win this. Then, I'd say quarter 2 going back is a really difficult one. Simona Halep's uh, quarter, if you will, for lack of a better term, is uh, even though she's not seeding, it isn't her tournament. its not It isn't. It shouldn't be called her quarter. I think that's a really difficult one, and I think quarter three is pretty difficult. I'm curious, Dan. We'll start with you. What your reaction was to the women's side?
1: Um, it's it's so, it's so interesting because obviously we swear to you, just hasn't played a lot on grass at all. She hasn't played the warm up events, and for me, I think that makes it a real risk yeah. for anyone her at short prices. Over the coming couple of weeks, so I I had a look at the the prices on Betfair at the moment, and she's she's two point eight four, um, pretty similar pre draw, and in that quarter one you've 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 got some threats. I do I do think she's had a kind draw for sure. Um, historically on grass, someone like Mother will, will will challenge her, uh, push her. Rybakina maybe at a big price. Uh, Andreski potentially, Heger. Uh, if she's playing well and fit, that could be some options for, for challenging her. Some tough, op- some tough opposition there potentially, but I think she's she's going to be pretty happy with that draw.
4: Yeah. Um, and by the way, just let me interject for those listening, American audience listening. Um, when Dan says short prices, by our parlance, what he means is a long price opposite based on the on the fraction system. But I'm I'm with you completely. I think anybody jumping in right now on EGA for the tournament in our betting uh, parlance, plus 150-ish. I just don't think you make that bet. You just don't make no. that bet. Yeah. What did you think about What did you think about the, the Simona Halep quarter number two there? That seemed mm. really competitive to me.
1: Yeah. And interestingly, Halep has barely played on, on grass at all over the last couple of years prior to this year where she's she played a couple of warm-up events. Um I like I like Hallett in terms of but well, uh, she actually got pretty good numbers on away from Clay this year, which is, is not always the case. But obviously we've got the injury doubt on her from, from Bad Homburg. So that's a uh something of a red flag, although we'll, we'll wait to see how she she kind of maybe plays in that first round game against uh, Machova. Which is a tough first round game if you're gonna uh yeah, she's
4: have got- a yeah. Yeah, she has, has, of course, uh, Katie Bolter, who's been playing very well in that. She does have Amanda Nisimova. uh, Perhaps most prominently, Coco Goff, who has been playing great tennis, is in there. Coco Goff, by the way, with the exception of Anshapur, the shortest shot beyond Iga Sviatek. And then there's Serena. What do we do with Serena? Do we have to give her any credence here going for her 24th slam? Any any credence at all or, or is this just a tiger woods on a on the wrong course kind of thing now? <laughs> Even though this would be the right service for her, I guess. Bad analogy.
2: Yeah, I'm I have an opinion on all Please. of this, I guess. Please. So I'll jump in. Yeah. Um
5: Angie can even help with extremely specific projects. Just tell them what you need, and Angie will find the right solution for you. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com, or download the app today.
2: I think the draw was a little not as imbalanced as the men's French Open, but I do think all of the dangerous players outside of Ons Jabeur ended up in the top. Um and i think q2 is the kind of the quarter of death yeah. on the women's draw basically every kind of every player with a high enough ceiling to really give it to iga kind of sitting in that q2 so iga if she comes out of q1 is going to have a very very challenging semifinal head to head at whoever emerges. Now that player may have that may, you know, they may have fired so many bullets to get there that Iga can dispatch them and make a final here. But I share Dan's concern and skepticism about Iga's lack of experience on this surface. I don't think her game especially lends itself to being a strong grass player, um, and I think Iga's camp's decision to have her basically you know, more or less throw up the white flag for grass season was probably strategically good. Like, she'll get some reps on grass this year, but it's not, you know, she's not going for a calendar slam or anything. She's going to be the world number one easily for the next, you know, year in time. Um, And so saving up some of her bullets and then going for uh, a U.S. Open, I thought was very, very, you know, potentially. Like, I'm assuming that's what they're doing. I thought that was strategically smart because she can she can and should be a massive favorite to win the US Open. Yes. Um slow or hardcore, that's that that should be uh, you know, you wanna you wanna run it back all the good feelings about how easy it was that Eagle won the French Open. Like save your bullets for for the US Open. I don't think Wimbledon's your your time to to go after this with aggressiveness. Completely um, agree. Completely agree with that. I am also, with Dan, that there are a number of potential challengers in Q1 that are going to make for tough outs. The one that I circled for, f- based on price, was Andreevskiy, just because she has a slam in her career. Like she's proven that she can find uh, a speed. You know, she's proven that she can find a level on, uh, you know, in in a slam pressure environment that is good enough to beat Iga head to head. Surely. Uh and I think her price is pretty favorable to come out of the first quarter. And really frankly, out of the top half, because of what we mentioned, like quarter two is the quarter of death. Um, Serena, uh, as you kind of alluded to, is a is was sort of the landmine in the draw. So whatever quarter she landed in was gonna you know, was gonna automatically make that a challenging quarter. And she had played warm up doubles with Ons Jabor in Eastbourne, but only really played those two matches. And I watched a lot of that, I watched a lot of that uh, tennis and more tennis doubles than I've watched in years <laughs> <laughs> just to try to get
1: yeah. some
2: read on it. Uh, and Serena looked like she was in really quite good shape. Um, not the kind of fitness level that you can win seven matches over two weeks, uh, but a fitness level that she's going to make some seated player miserable in the, in the first week. Um, and so I think, you know, penciling her into week two is not crazy. Uh, 16th one for the tournament is crazy. Uh, I don't think you can expect her to be able to, you know, not play a tournament in a year and then come in and find form that, you know, that, that can persist for uh, a two week stretch. Um, so my general read on Serena is she's going to upset some players with 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 hopes of going deep in this tournament, but then ultimately fizzle out in week two. Um, and I'm circling Pliskova as a uh, as a you know as victim here. Uh, Coco Goff could be in trouble if they meet head to head in a quarterfinal here. Uh, but Coco Goff again got kind of the worst of the draws of anyone, yeah, sh- of anyone who was considered yeah of anyone who was considered potentially uh, live outside of the top two, and Iga and Ans, uh Coco got the worst of it.
4: And by the way, I, I feel the need just to interject this. I think I know the answer, but the reason for Jabor and, and Serena pulling out of the doubles effectively was a Ons Jabour knee injury. You completely believe that that's just the week before Wimbledon, I want to take a few days off knee injury kind of thing?
2: I mean, I hope. Yeah, <laughs> I got a lot of Ons jabor in like the 33-to-1 range, uh, right. so I'm hoping that that was precautionary um she hasn't shown any signs and anything i watched where i was concerned uh, about her fitness for sure um but uh you never know i mean i think injury you know we i don't i we haven't talked much about the bottom so far um let, but let
4: me, let me ask you about that yeah, oh, oh, finish, or I'll finish yeah. your thought
2: anyway okay. i was just gonna say uh, you know injury injury scares me more than anyone she has to run into between here and the final
4: oh so that's interesting because i was i'm just going to throw out some names in her draw and i'll get you and sure. you're you're showing no fear whatsoever but I'll, I'll just throw out some names danielle freaking collins uh um,
2: <laughs> not not no no fear
4: madison yeah. Keyes. she finds
2: if finds she... Little bit of uh, should give her a match. Yeah, uh, a keys can keys can make a quarterfinal, but I think she ultimately gets uh, beaten straight. Yeah,
4: now we we have a bit of a different opinion on Emma Raducanu. Kanu. You do not believe her to be a threat.
2: I don't know. I mean, we'll it's come- same. same yeah, m- she's obviously she kind of came burst onto the scene at Wimbledon last year. People remember her U.S. Open title run, but her Wimbledon run was pretty special.
4: Yes, it was. And, um, she, and she gave Iga, Iga, by the way, who's won 35 matches in a row, I should point out, 52 yeah, of 54 yeah. sets, six titles this year. Emma gave Iga a pretty good match. People remember Samson Ova taking a, a set off of Iga. But Emma was pretty, pretty freaking good in that match. And I remember being impressed, like, oh, okay. Maybe this isn't some blip. By the way, the one name that I I haven't mentioned in the draw, which is probably the biggest one, if you go into her data, her grass court data, and again, grass court data not as robust as other services, but Angelique Kerber, and I think you've pointed this out as well, Drew, and we'll bring in Dan for this as well. Her grass court numbers, 12 months, 6 months, however you slice it, are spectacular. Dan, I'm not sure how you feel about any of these threats to Shabour.
1: Yeah. First of all, I agree with Drew in that in that injury, I think is the biggest threat to to Jaber, and it's interesting to see that on the betfair market, her price is now the lowest that it's ever been. So the betfair market is not remotely spooked about this injury issue at all. Um, she's ha- she's been well supported, and and so they're not concerned. Uh, I think yeah, a peak Kerber, you would you would say probably would be. A bigger threat than most in in that third third quarter um i'm also on the anti-radacanu um position um i just can't get behind the player who has has won 54 of service points on hard or indoor hard this season yeah. that, that's just that's just nowhere near good enough mm-hmm. and and what do you need to, to do well on, on grass? You've got to serve well. You've got to serve consistently. Uh, and, and I think it's asking a great deal of her to, to turn that around in the short term.
4: Bottom draw. Aye. Yeah, agreed. Oh, bottom Bottom quarter. Do you agree with uh, the, what I said about this earlier, is that if I'm, if I'm a Ria Sakharis camp, and she has not had a st- tremendous stretch here of tennis of late, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, well, there is Belinda Benchich. Uh, if I've got the right draw here, Anna Kontaveit is, yeah. is the high seed yep. in that uh, in that quarter in that quarter. But uh, Belinda Benchich is in there. Beatrice Haddad Maya. my girl, Drew. Uh, she's <laughs> she's in there as well, and she has just had a spectacular run. Uh, and then Elena Ostapenko can't be uh, can't be overlooked either. But if I'm if I'm Maria Sakari's girl, I mean, isn't this like okay? Like all these players. If you're if you are as good as you as we think you are, shouldn't she get out of this? Or or is she just not that good enough to do that?
2: I'm gonna go with B. I don't mind putting a line through Zachary and Contivate here. Your top two seeds in this draw to me are upset special candidates. Um, Zachary is a weird one because for all of her tools, all of her strengths, she should be one of the best grass players on tour, but it just hasn't ever manifest. And she also has this weird thing going where the further she goes in these slam tournaments, the more the pressure builds, the more likely she is to come, you know, to to succumb to the to the pressure. And that's not to say things couldn't break well for her here. But, you know, if Ange gets hurt. All of a sudden, you know, Sakari uh, you know, comes through with an easier path than expected to a final and faces someone who's either battle weary or battle worn or, uh, or just, you know, not ready for the moment. Like she could win. Sure. I, there's not, it's not crazy. Um, But I guess if Zachary wins this title, I'm going to lose a lot of money. I'm betting against her in the later stages. Surely. Just because I'm going to be expecting her to ultimately uh, capitulate, you, she's done it every time she's been there.
4: True, <laughs> you have you have Jabour at thirty-three to one, as I recall.
2: Yes, yeah, and I, I, again, to kind of the Kerber comment. So again, let's just pretend that something happens to Jabor. Kerber is my immediate favorite to win Q three. Well, wow. like no question, no question for me. And it was a shame she got put where she got put up against your board in round four potentially and that should be a really good match uh kerber's got the experience on grass which is something that takes years and years of playing on grass to get and she has proven that she can to get it done on grass her game is you know sure her, her grass game is awesome uh her loss to uh alizé corne was weird i don't know what happened there i don't know if she didn't really like if she wasn't Really into that match, didn't feel like she needed it anymore. She was ready to kind of move on to Wimbledon or what? But I thought she was going to win Bad Homburg, uh, frankly, that win the whole tournament. Um, so to see her go out was was strange. Um, but I don't know that that's a red flag. I think ultimately Kerber goes down to Jabour, and I think. Uh, but I think let's say it's Zachary Kerber as a semifinal, just for the purpose of making a price. I would. I would personally bet. Kerber at any dog price there um, I think I would make her a, a, a decent favourite over Zachary at that stage of a tournament like this
4: Oh dog approves Okay yeah.
2: <laughs> So, <laughs> Dog likes the underdog in, uh, in Kerber yeah. if, that's, if that's where you get Yeah, uh, I don't know I mean maybe maybe Dan do you have a, a differing opinion on Zachary's chances here
1: Yes and no Um I can go with you certainly for the sort of latter stages, but she has like probably the biggest gift first week that you you could ever wish to see. Uh, and you look at Q four and you think, okay, Osterpenko, Benchich had a Meyer Contevet who hasn't played a, a grass warm up event at all. Benchich has been injured. Um, there's there's a few ifs, buts, and maybes around a lot of the guys in that quarter, and I think if you're looking at this Q4, this is the quarter where maybe it could open up for somebody. And she might not actually have to play anyone half decent until the semifinal. Yeah.
4: That's, that was my thinking when I saw this. I'm like, okay, if you're, you just, I don't know why I placed myself but I'm okay, this is the one. Like this, we have no excuse anymore in this draw right here based on everything you just said. Um. Yeah, so now, if you don't have Drew's thirty three to one on ons, if you don't have my nine to one on Sviatek, I get it. those aren't available. What's the best bet either in the futures or in the quarter market right now as you see
1: it? Dan, we'll start with you. Quarter market, I haven't got prices for yet. they haven't they haven't been yeah. they're not available on, on, on exchanges. Think, um, yeah um, for me I, I I like Sakari Q4. Because I think it will open up for her, um, a really, really big price. I, I'm quite happy to take Swartek on with someone like Elena Rybakina, or just, 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 just someone who's actually a competent player with upside <laughs> who, who could, who could come through that Q1 where there's not a great deal of really high level players. Just there's a there's a couple of thoughts there. If you've got obviously if you've got Jabour at thirty threes like, like Drew has, you're very, very happy with life right now. Um and and, and obviously Spear Tech at nines, you might want to look at it right, or you might want to hedge part part of it in week two, I don't know. But the the yeah, the, I think that there's I mean I, I wouldn't want the Swiss at current price but that way. Drew, same question.
2: Yeah, I think um there's I've seen some uh of the uh, kind of Uh, smaller shops in the uk hang quarter prices and if those end up going you know anything like that hits the exchange then i'm very much going to have uh beyond bianca andreescu uh q1 and top half Uh, i think she can make the final here uh good enough high enough ceiling like dan's dan's setup of who has the upside you know and that that for me the answer is pretty squarely Bianca Andreescu.
4: You know, I've, um, I've felt that way about Bianca for so long now that I'm yeah, ca- that same. I'm kind of <laughs> yeah. I'm kind of fatigued by it to be honest with you.
2: I think the market is too. Yeah. Uh, which is giving you the opportunity to get her at a pretty cheap price. Um, like the like the case against Jabour is pretty straightforward. She's never done it at the Slam level. Like this would be a maiden slam doing a you know maiden slam at Wimbledon's not easy uh very few you know players have won their first slam at Wimbledon um certainly in this in today's day and age especially um, so you know will the moment you know will the will the lights be bright on center court in week two and will she uh you know be able to find what is to me at least has clearly been the best grass tennis on the women's tour uh over the last two seasons now um you know that that's the that's the bear case for Ons and uh, I think if you're looking for an upside against her then you're looking for someone who at least has a slam in their pocket who is playing their best tennis this spring and summer so far and I think Bianca checks those boxes so um at a at a, at a long shot price I think it's worth a uh, uh, worth a look
4: all right drew by the way broadcasting from his uh, backyard I can't tell you how awesome this is in a morning after NBA draft snapshot. <laughs> He's going to buy a boat later today, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> that He's was a buy joke. a boat?
2: I know. I, know. I uh, got a lot of taxes to pay, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
4: okay, so let's go to the men's side. And I'll get, again, I'll give you my first impressions off the top and we'll see what you guys think. One, um, Novak Djokovic, the rightful favorite for sure, as I think we all agree, of this tournament. Uh, he didn't have, he didn't get the easiest draw at all here in this bracket in terms of like what you could throw at him anyway. It's, I mean, listen, I'm not saying he's going to lose at any point here, but I'm just saying, Carlitos, I get it. Not Carlitos' number one surface, but uh, Carlos Alcaraz, don't call me Carlos, call me Carlitos or Charlie Alcaraz. I think I'm going to go with Charlie. Charlie Alcaraz is in there. Uh, both serve bots, Opelka and, uh, and Isner are in there, which is always fun. Van Reithhoven, I feel the need I should bring him up. Uh, Tim Van Reithhoven, who I believe played in nine ATP career matches and then won a grass court tournament in the Netherlands just a few weeks back. He's a wild card. The home favorite, Andy Murray, is in that bracket as well, in that quarter, as is Yannick Sinner. Anyway, that's all in Djokovic's quarter. I feel like quarter two is completely wide open. I think quarter three seems like a Berrettini... Curios, head to head, if Curios decides once and for all in life to be serious about two weeks at Wimbledon. That's a huge if. And then here's my biggest macro thing here. And, and I'm curious because to me, I didn't have a bet in the outright market on the men's side. But Rafa Nadal is just sitting down there chilling in the fourth quarter. And I got to tell you guys, I'm making a bet on it because I feel like he got. As favorable a draw as you could possibly have gotten, and maybe that was predictable, right? Rafa Nadal, who's halfway to a Grand Slam, that hasn't happened since Rod Laver did it in 1969. It's clearly not his primary surface, we all know that clay is, but I don't know, man. That's about as good of a run to a semi as you can get, and you can still get him at about 6-1, to 7-1. to one. I'm curious your thoughts, Dan
1: um i'm not so sure to be honest with you i mean he he played a warm up match at hurlingham yesterday i think against Stan Vavrinka who who commented subsequently and said that the the old nadal was back but I, i'm not so sure we've got the injury doubts we've we got the fact it, that he he hasn't won this tournament for over a decade um these these these, these issues don't go away now you're you're right, he's he's probably a Sam Quarry shock away from week two. Um I mean the old Sam Query would have given him a good game anyway. Um uh but then you look at you look at week two and you think okay, well there's some there's some hurdles. I think that I prefer Chilich rather than Oger Aliasim as as the main threat in Q4 tough opener for Auger Leassime against uh, Maxime Crezzi and then um, Dan Evans potentially in round three as well which is is not going to be straightforward at all against a good grass quarter with a, a pretty partisan crowd you, you would imagine. Um, uh, but Chilich should get through the earlier rounds um, and yeah, maybe Nadal in the fourth round would be a, a good game. We've seen He's obviously done well recently in, 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 in Roland Garros and put a few wins under his belt in, at Queen's Club as well. So, yeah, I, I prefer Chilich at the, at the prices to Nadal, who i just got so many doubts about. I just He was never that great on grass at his peak. So it's only a fairly open, kind draw that you think he's, he's some form of value. And
4: Chilich, along with uh, Stan Wawrinka, the only two humans on Earth, I believe, walking that are still playing that have a Grand Slam men's single title, I guess, with the exception of Dominic Thiem, uh, as well. Besides the Big Three, right? So there always is that in Chilich's uh, in Chilich's bag. What else? Uh, what else were your impressions of those draws right there?
1: Um. So with with Djokovic, I, I obviously agree with what you said in the intro about him being a very justified favourite, but I'm not sure I like odds on. I, I'm, I'm very unsure of that. I mean, he's only won one title this year, so and I feel like the market's kind of pricing on the, the old Djokovic, if you like. Um, but the question is, yeah, he probably could barely have hand-picked a better better first quarter. He's got a clay quarter, he's barely played on grass in, in Alcaraz as the, is the main seed in, uh, in the quarter. Um, Andy Murray... Uh, maybe he might provide a threat. But like you said, I think maybe a couple of surf bots might cause him more trouble than anybody. Yeah. Um, You know, in England, I don't know if you guys are aware, but in England, we've had the hottest, driest last two or three months than we have had for years. So conditions, I would imagine, will be quite fast. And that will obviously help the guys like Apelka, John Isner. I mean, it's barely rained here for, for, for weeks or months. It honestly is, is, is very, very unusual. Uh, and so that, that, that will probably dial up the pace a little bit. Drew, your thoughts
2: on all that? Interesting, interesting tidbit there on the pace. Uh, I thought Queens played exceptionally fast. Uh, mm-hmm. So that kind of checks out. Um, Q1, Djokovic is to lose, no doubt. And I, and, you know, the, um, his section in particular, like his path to the quarterfinal, he's not dropping a set unless he feels like it. Like that's, that is a very, very, uh, straightforward quarterfinal, uh, appearance for Djokovic. Uh, his uh, quarterfinal opponent is going to be someone of quality, tennis quality, but not someone who can beat him head to head on grass. Um, all everything we said about, Ah, uh, eager and lack of experience. She's got twelve grass matches as a pro, but she did win a junior title. So it's not like she doesn't know how to win on grass. Alcaraz has two grass matches in his career. He's deal. He dealt with injuries after Roland Garros was over, uh, and he does not have a junior record that suggests he has, uh, you know, a, a great some sort of grass form that will surprise us, um, and. He's, I mean, frankly, like his, what makes his game so dangerous plays perfectly for Clive, plays perfectly for slow hardcourt, but I don't know that it plays especially well for grass. Um, You know, his most effective drop shot, uh, you know, is not going to do well against a player like Andy Murray, who's so experienced on grass and, you know, can, can cover, you know, can come to the net um, and, you know, and, and handle things perfectly well. Um, so I think, yeah, I think Alcaraz expecting him to, you know, surprise shock the world and make a final or a quarterfinal or you know, a semifinal here, I think is uh, is a poor assumption. Mm. Um, and uh, you know, I I don't hold out a ton of hope for Isner or Apelka. Uh, Apelka especially, it seems to be just wildly out of out of sorts. Um, I'd agree. With last that. couple of yeah. last couple of tournaments, he just hadn't looked looked like what we saw from the guy in, in the winter. Um, so if he, if he shows up and plays well, it'll be a little bit of a shocker. Similarly for Isner, um, Andy Murray, I think can fight his way to a quarterfinal where he probably gets summarily beaten down by Djokovic. Okay. That's kind of my vibe of the first quarter. Um, quarter two, wide open. Weakest. Wide Weakest. Yes. <laughs> I actually, I actually will disagree with you about wide open. Oh, who do you like? I, I think yeah, her catch I don't should remember. be the yeah. monster. She- he should be odds on to win this quarter, and some mm-hmm. of the shops are hanging like three point seven, like plus two seventy, which is bananas. If you can find a quarter price for her catch, uh, Q two that is north of plus two hundred, that is the best bet of the of the outrights, in my opinion. And okay. he- what he did in Hala was was extremely impressive. Uh, you know what he's got right now in terms of timing with serve is awesome to watch. He's we know he has kind of uh, you know championship mentality, having taken already a Masters one thousand in his career. Um, and uh, honestly, he beat Federer on center court at Wimbledon, which is something that I think gives you the confidence to you know maybe even give Djokovic a match. Who do you at, have in the semifinal? Who
4: do you have as so. big as challenger in that in that quarter? Who would you
2: have? <sighs> honestly i think there the top half of that section it could be anyone and I, mm-hmm. I like a guy like francis tiafa who plays his best tennis and best of five could surprise it, you know there's somebody's gonna surprise in the top half of that quarter and her catch is gonna just eat them for lunch in the quarterfinal that's my general you, vibe you think that. if
4: Orkach takes on like an ugo Umber, he would eat him
2: for lunch Ugo and Bear could, Ugo and Bear doesn't have the quality to do, to, to go to a semifinal at a slam. <laughs> he, lovely guy, great player, French brain, though. Uh, and I think realistically, <laughs> uh, the, French like brain, her, is that what you're yeah. do you said? Yeah. You don't know the old joke about the old tennis joke? Yeah,
4: French brain.
2: There's, yeah, there's one French brain among all the men's tennis players and they just share it. <laughs> Let's see who has it that day that's it's, it's not even yeah. a good joke um yeah. but the the front the the, the frenchman's tennis don't scare me really um but the um you, yeah ugo could he could definitely make the quarterfinal here but i think kirk ash would be minus 600 against him probably Ooh. like that's that, that would be my guess of what that market would look like i, I mean I, realistically i I, I, yeah, I, yeah, I, I, can't, I don't really no one scares me dan jump in i'm sorry
5: Angie can even help with extremely specific projects. Just tell them what you need and Angie will find the right solution for you. Get started at Angie.com. That's dot com, or download the app today. Yeah, they played at Haller. Um,
1: yeah. And that was straight sets for, for her catch. Um, Do you
2: have a market pretty, up by any chance? Solid.
1: Yeah, it was... Uh, he was about one point five that day, but I think that's that's changed a lot because in the last sort of week since then, yeah, having having done well in that tournament, and also uh, then Umber losing to Montero in Eastbourne, and the fact that it'll be best of five, I think you probably yeah. will get that sort of one to five, one to six ish in a slam against, against Umber, like like Drew says. Um, and don't forget with Umber as well that he's he's only won two of his last ten matches. So, so the, he hasn't had a great year at all. No. Umber so, was, the
4: defending, he was the defending champion at Halo, wasn't he, Umber, I believe, going into this year, if I'm not mistaken?
1: Oh, I was testing my memory there. Same.
2: <laughs> yeah. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't have told you Umber ever won a title. He won a grass title last year? Wow.
1: I just check it. Yeah, you're actually right, Gil. Yeah, oh, wow. spot on the beat. 11th final. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Alexander Sparrow on the six, way as well. Um, but, but no, I do think that yeah, I agree with with Drew completely. That's that's a standout for me. It's it's open in yeah. terms of we're going to work out who faces him to win the to win the quarter, but it's for me cut and dried as to him being an overwhelming favorite in Q two. Would you say Nori was the biggest threat in his, his, his that bottom oh, half of
2: QT? Don't ask Drew about Nori, Dan. <laughs> we don't do that. Nori, Nori's huh. on upset. Nori's on upset alert every round, Dan.
1: Drew, tell, tell him <laughs> tell
4: Dan what you call him.
2: Yeah, scam scam Nori. Yeah. <laughs> he calls him scam I mean, Nori. Never this bets guy, on guy. Doesn't doesn't have a good win in his career. I'd like seriously find go go find his best ever win. Uh, I just, yeah, I'm
4: just. I'm just saying it now. Yeah, I'm he just... beat he, he only. Yeah, that's right. He beat Basile Schveili for a title. Right, that's true.
2: Congrats! Yeah. yeah, he got an Indian Wells. He got an Indian Wells title that was the softest
1: draw of all. Yeah, time. that's true. Uh, and yeah. Uh, yeah, his biggest win was against Bautista and Davis Cup on clay, 2018. That's that's about that's. I'm fine with that as as a character. will <laughs> accept that answer. Yes, I will. Yeah, yeah. fine with that. <laughs> uh, a lot of straight, <laughs> yeah. straight set losses when he's been a heavy dog. That's for sure. Yeah, a lot of those. Do you agree with the sentiment that I had before, which is with with apologies to
4: Stefanos Tsitsipas here, <laughs> um, yeah. that peak curios, peak Berattini would yeah. be the match there.
2: Q three is the quarter of death. Um, every, every match in Q three virtually every step of the way after round one is going to be must-watch. Um, all of those look good. Everything looks good there. Uh, Bertini uh, was a player who I had cautious optimism for when we started the grass cycle. He played his way into form at Stuttgart in impressive fashion. His serve by the end of that Stuttgart title, his serve was unreturnable. And then he backed it up with a really impressive week in, uh, in London at Queens. Um, I thought I was like watching carefully every one of those Barrettini matches in Queens expecting that the layoff was eventually going to impact him in some way that he was going to slip up at some stage, like just get tired. Even never happened. He was incredible that whole week. Um, and, uh, when the going got tough against Kudla, he found another level. In that match, Kudla, by the way, played his best at tennis. Yeah, he, I've seen him yeah, play in did. a long, a long time in that match in particular. Um, he kind of treed in uh, in Queens in general. Um, but I think, yeah, I think Verratini Ber- with a favorable draw, I'm, I'm futures for him at this tournament, but he didn't get one. His third quarter is going to be tough. He's going to have tough matches at multiple steps of the way to get to a semifinal here. Curios, um, Sissipas was the best grass tennis match we got this whole season so far. Uh, that match at Hollow was absolutely awesome. Um, for whatever it was worth, the tournament organizers gave Curios so much leash; like they let him get away with wild, wild stuff on court. But in doing so, we got a really great match, which is always fun. Um, the idea that Kyrgios is somehow mentally got it figured out and is going to be able to win seven matches at this tournament is <laughs> insane. That's a complete farce. You cannot, no way, you cannot bet that. No. no. The leash that he got in Hala on his way to almost winning a title, no chance he gets that here. No, no chance. And so he'll have a meltdown at some stage. Sure. Hopefully not. Hopefully not before giving us a super entertaining match against um, uh, against uh, Sissipas again. Really want to see that head-to-head again. Will be just great tennis and entertaining as hell. And Sisypas honestly is sort of the perfect opponent for Curios in terms of bringing out his best and his most entertaining tennis. So very hopeful we see that. Um, winner of that, he takes I, I, can't, I don't have the draw exactly in front of me. He goes up against Bat- Batista Agu next. Is that right? I'm looking. Would go up against it likely? Searching. I can't remember. Uh,
4: yeah. One hundred twenty-eight so, to It's Tough to sift through here.
2: Yeah, so yeah. one whatever, a bunch of those guys in the in the Sissipas section are live, but I think Bertini ultimately comes through. Yeah, but, um, Bautista, price, Bautista price isn't going to be good enough, though. About it, I don't think.
4: Yeah, Bautista Gut is is in like a a uh, Shapovalov
2: little pod. Oh, okay.
4: Yeah, whereas okay. Sitsipas is in the Curios Cressy. Pod if I'm not mistaken. Oh no, maybe I have that wrong. No, Kyrios.
2: Yeah, yeah. Kyrgios is in the Tsitsipas uh, pod. So they would meet Kyrgios is round three, round four, and round and, and quarter final, all three of those are extremely tough yes. head to head That's round. correct. Um, That's I correct. can't remember. Who would he play after Sissipas if he gets through? Uh Kyrios. He would play do 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 Shapovalov
4: or Bautista Gut? Oh.
2: yeah. Yeah, I think I think Batista has got to be the guy there. So yeah, I think realistically, Curios probably takes out Sissipas, maybe takes out Agu. But Agu is sort of the patient, uh, Iron Man kind of happy to go five kind of a player that really frustrates Curios generally. So Agu probably gets him there. And if it's Agu Berrettini, Berrettini is a you know is is cleanly through to the semis in my opinion. But um, you know, I think. I don't know, I guess, have you been as impressed with Berrettini this run-up as I am, Dan?
1: Yeah, no, for sure, absolutely. And, and, I, and I think that if he plays Kyrgios in, in the quarterfinals, then Kyrgios will have the, the potential to be quite frustrated by how strong a server Berrettini is and, and the lack of opportunities he's going to get. Think about wear him down mentally. And, and I, I, I'd make Berrettini a, a solid favourite probably in that match as well.
2: Yeah, so I think I, I guess where I'm going. Draw aside, I had Berrettini as the clear cut second choice for Wimbledon title after Djokovic, but yeah. with the draw being this tough, I don't think the price is worth
1: betting it now, right now. Yeah, so yeah, I'm with you there. With you there. And Drew, you
4: don't like the flyer on Nadal, do you?
1: I mean, the way the
2: 2022 tennis has gone to this point <laughs> has been me doubting Nadal and Nadal <laughs> flushing right. it back in my face. So. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, keep, I gotta keep playing the bit, right? Yeah. Uh, Nadal doesn't have a chance here, uh, in my opinion. I, look, my Nadal Wimbledon that's it, he's winning it is third slam. My Nadal, <laughs> <my> Nadal, yeah. <laughs> Nadal, Nadal calendar slam this year would just be oh. like bankrupt my entire tennis. Can you imagine 36 um, years old, doing no. that injuries. No, I can't. Yeah. Um, when Nadal was peaking. My my highest ever rating for Nadal was, I believe, 2017 after he swept clay and was untouchable in in French Open, right? Going into that grass season, I was high enough on him overall as a player that I thought he should have been the favorite to win Wimbledon, even though it's not his best surface. And even when he was that good, he could not get it done here. So I think the days of Nadal contending for a title at Wimbledon are long gone. And he may make some, you know, he'll he'll have some fun matches in this tournament, surely. He'll make it miserable for some players who are uh, you know, trying to make their names on grass in the fourth quarter, surely. Um, but I will be kind of leading the charge on Chilich at at a dog price, head to head versus Nadal, if that's your quarterfinal. Uh, and I think Chilich should be the, the favorite for the fourth quarter, even though his last match was not impressive.
4: So then, will you bet Chilich at a, at a quarter uh, for the quarter?
2: I didn't love the prices I saw. Um, I would need better than two to one.
4: But you will bet Orcots to win the second yeah.
2: quarter. The rest of that second quarter to me looks too weak. Okay. And I think, yeah, so I I think overall, the men's draw is chalky. I think Djokovic over her catch is a likely semifinal on the top. I think Berrettini over Chilich is the likely semifinal on the bottom. And then I think what looks to be potentially a boring two weeks of men's tennis will end with a really, really good final between Djokovic and Berrettini. mm mm-hmm.
4: Baratini almost got there last year, right?
2: Uh, people will Wimbledon? say that because yeah. the sc- people people will say that because the score line, but that never really felt in doubt. Watching it live,
4: I agree with you. It
2: did. You kind of like, felt yeah. like Djokovic was kind of playing with his food for the first set. Gave him one, <laughs> and then he and then he turned then he turned it up, and it was it was see you later, buddy. Playing with his food. I like that. <laughs>
1: yeah. All right, Dano. Anything to add? Yeah. yeah, a couple couple of bits and pieces. Um, I just I just got the Better Fair prices up now on my uh, other screen. Oh, yes, and someone has placed, or well, I assume it's one person at least, has has, has placed a twenty six thousand pounds order to back Sitsipas at thirty sixes, which would be the is the is the next price on the, the first price on the pink side. Um, so someone's obviously very keen about that uh, and just over £1,100 waiting on Hercux uh, 18s as well to back him too and just under £3,000 at Berrettini at 7.8 so a bit of market sentiment there perhaps um, or one, one looking at the kind of head-to-head games a little bit and one of the often oftentimes in these uh, early rounds of slams you kind of you find a, find a match between kind of two guys ranked outside the top 50 who, who are maybe the values in those matches rather than, uh, rather than any of the big names. And I don't know if you've followed the Ilkley Challenger this uh, last week, Drew, with Azizu Burgs winning the event and getting a wild card by by winning that event. So he whoever wins the Ilkley Challenger gets the wild card into Wimbledon. And he beat Sock, Popperin and Seppi from quarterfinals onward after after qualifying. And uh, he plays Jack Draper from from Great Britain, who's done very well in in, in challenge events. In fact, he actually beat Bergs in St. Brier, I think it was, indoors in in the final uh, in March. Drope has done very well indoors, but if you look at, and the people, I think what well, the reason why I've highlighted this game a little bit is because being British and being, knowing how the British react to this type of thing, he got to the semi finals of Eastbourne and he will be getting a lot of coverage in, in the run up to the tournament. Now, if you look at the, 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 the players he beat in, in, in Eastbourne, He beat a very out-of-touch Jensen Brooksby. He beat Diego Schwarzman, who's no grass-courter. And he beat Ryan Peniston, who's a very mediocre English uh, player and was a heavy favourite to do so. So he's hardly beaten the who's who of of grass-court tennis to get to the semi-final, where he lost to Cressy in the semi-final. In the other tournaments, he he lost to Roussevori, round two at Queen's. And lost in round two of the Cerberus and Challenger to Penniston uh, after beating a, a, a guy from Britain who is ranked outside the top 300 in the first round. So I guess what I'm trying to say is I think the markets and the media attention will be on Draper for this. And he's playing against a guy who's in form, coming in, having won a grass court challenger title. And at the moment, I'm looking at the early prices and it's about 1.3 on Draper. Wow. So... Yeah. One one to watch I think with the market anyway. I
2: love. Love it. that.
4: Love it. Any have you looked at first round matches at all Drew? I have not yet.
2: Uh only one I thought about betting was uh, there's an interesting up and coming player that the that's been fun to kind of follow. Taiwanese guy Jason Sang. He is a he was a junior uh champ on both play and grass. <laughs> which is one of those, like, somebody, like, this? that's, like, the Belinda Bencic, like, path, right? Like, a player who wins both of the clay and grass juniors always catches my eye, like, whoa, like, this guy, you know, there's something there. And he's mostly stuck at the challenger level. Um, again, Jason uh, Sang, and he got matched up against, I think, a very beatable um, British qualifier. Uh, he was about minus 125 on the open end. My my number said it should have been closer to minus 200. So, uh, Sang definitely got my attention in round one. Um, and then, uh, you know, outside of that, I haven't gone through the prices very carefully.
1: That looks a great shot. Just having a look at this now. I mean, Alistair Gray, he's, he's probably barely even challenger level. Let, let, uh, yeah, he's. Sang is weird because he de-
2: elected instead of taking his game to grass for the run up to wimbledon he stayed on the Jay clay yeah. challenger circuit um he had mixed success on that i don't know why he hasn't pushed harder onto grass personally but uh i think he does have a, a, a level that's a lot higher than alistair gray
1: yeah i'm with you there for sure that, that's a great shot as well
4: all right I love it. I think we've all learned that uh, Rafa Nadal is going to make a
2: deep run and torment Drew. I've <laughs> Congratulations on yeah. Slam number three in 2022. <laughs> That's it's right. A 36, 30 million thirty million-year-old Rafa Nadal.
4: I'll catch you in like in thirteen days. I'll be like, well, there he is, Drew. There he is. <laughs> it again. again. Um, yeah, yeah. I love the Orkats. Uh, the conviction for sure.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah. Find that. Find that second quarter price. That'll be your best bet pre pre flop. It's going to be awesome. Women's and men's. Can't wait. Uh Wimbledon starts. What are we talking about?
4: Monday uh, Monday England time. Yes. Which will be I guess 11, over... Yeah, 11 am
1: would... I 3 Vegas.
2: Yeah, I was going to say uh, really early in the morning our time here in the Pacific time zone, I would imagine. I got an important question for Dan. Yes.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: What is Dan's opinion on um, the uh, the end of middle Sunday off manic Monday?
1: Oh, good question. Um, good question. Wow. Well, I actually quite like the Sunday off.
2: The, I do too. Cause... I don't know why they did this.
1: Yeah, because I, I, I don't have any you know, Sunday feelings in terms of it being a special day or anything like that. I just like the day off to regroup. It's so, it's so different to the Grand Slams. You, know? you have the French Open, which I really hate the first Sunday start. Um, with, with Woodward, and I, I like it. I like it, the old structure.
4: Why yeah, did they make same. that change? Why did they get rid of Manic Monday?
2: Just to they're have tennis to ruin, every day? They're trying, they're trying to ruin, ruin the lives of us handicappers, yeah. man. Uh, yeah, you know, we need a day off to spend with our families. And Sunday is a great day for that. Like Dan said, you need to regroup right in the middle of the tournament. And boy, oh boy, like what a, what a treat to get Manic Monday where every single fourth oh. round match is happening on the same day. Like that is usually, yeah. that's usually the best day of tennis in the entire calendar year. I would and agree with you. We don't that. get it this year. <laughs> so, yeah. Kind of a bummer.
4: Dan, what does Betfair say about Paulo Bonquero being the number one pick in the NBA draft? Do you have any uh, information on that? <laughs>
1: <laughs>
4: oh, man. All right. Well, guys, listen, I appreciate it. Again, there's no one on planet Earth I would rather do this with than you two. Dan Weston at uh, tennis ratings on Twitter, doing his thing for Betfair still. And then Drew Dinsick at whale underscore capper, where again, you can find him on two podcasts, Deep Dive with Andy Molitor, and of course, NBC Sports Bet the Edge, which he does with Sarah Proman. Gentlemen, I'm sure we'll be in touch during the the fortnight of Wimbledon, and I appreciate it very
1: much. Good luck to all. Cheers, guys. Good luck with everything. Thank you, guys. Best luck.
4: Gil Alexander, thank you so much for listening. Next podcast, I'm guessing, is a uh, Major League Baseball Q2 yeah. derivatives pod. We'll talk to you then.